This is Warren Perry, and today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the portrait of Leopold Stokowski that's currently on exhibition in our Edward Steichen show. I'm a researcher for the Catalog of American Portraits in the Center for Electronic Research and Outreach Services here at the National Portrait Gallery. Stokowski is seen in this photograph exactly as he wants to be seen. He's bold, he's daunting, he's larger than life. What Steichen did inside this image also is to use the angles in the background, and it almost appears to increase Stokowski's height. He takes up so much of this image, and again, he's daunting, he's, he's dramatic, he's almost apparition-like. Leopold Anthony Stokowski's birth is partially surrounded by mystery, most likely because of the composer's own doings. Because in the early part of the 20th century, it was fashionable in music to have a European, specifically a German pedigree, Stokowski once reported that he was born in Pomerania, Germany in 1889. Another time he was listed in the Hugo Riemann music lexicon as being from Krakow, Poland, and as having been born in 1887. However, there is in the office of the registrar at Somerset House in London a notice of birth stating that Leopold Anthony Stokowski was born in 13 Upper Marlebone Street in the St. John's section of London on April 18, 1882. Now, there's a biography by Abraham Chassens, author of Leopold Stokowski, a profile, and in that biography, Chasson states that it would be easier to walk out of Fort Knox with a gold ingot in each hand than to fake or alter a birth certificate from Somerset House. In addition to the discrepancies surrounding Stokowski's birth, there is much discussion during his lifetime surrounding his accent, which was of vaguely Eastern European description. Many of his contemporaries thought it was fake and many of his critics believed that not only was most everything about Stokowski fiction, but no small number of his contemporaries believed he could not even read sheet music. Stokowski was terribly successful. After he came to America, he was briefly in Cincinnati, but by 1912 he left Cincinnati to come to the Philadelphia Orchestra, and during his tenure with the Philadelphia Orchestra, he became interested in many, many things. Sound recording, he became interested in the movies. He was with the Philadelphia Orchestra for quite a long time. The scope of the programming Stokowski chose was brought into question by the Philadelphia Orchestra's board of directors, and often Stokowski was requested to play works that were from the greater, more well-known canon. Pieces from Mozart, pieces from Brahms, pieces from Beethoven. Stokowski, on the other hand, liked to play more modern, more obscure, more experimental pieces. And there's a wonderful story that Chassens records in his biography about Stokowski concluding a program with Schoenberg's Kammer Symphony No. 1, this piece was a very cerebral work, and according to Chassens, although not atonal, proved unbearably dissonant, and the audience loudly voiced its displeasure during the performance. Chassens was told that in the middle, Stokowski strode off the stage in a fury, 
When the quiet was restored, he returned and started the piece again from the very beginning. At its conclusion, an intimidated audience, fearful of a third repetition, offered some dutiful applause. I think the most admirable aspect of Stokowski's creativity was in his willingness to experiment with the orchestra to maximize sound. Stokowski would relocate instruments because he believed that instruments previously facing each other would not yield the greatest quality of sound. Stokowski would take the orchestra and completely reposition it in order to maximize the listener's experience. He thought about things not from the from the point of hearing of the conductor, but from the point of hearing of the audience. His style of conducting was very dramatic. One time, Stokowski was conducting an orchestra, and he became so excited. The baton he was using in his right hand, he accidentally broke against his left hand. At that point, he threw away the baton, and he conducted from then on without a baton. And his musicians would tell stories about how they felt he was piercing them with his eyes, how they felt he was grabbing music out of them with his fingers. He would stay with his feet. He would conduct with his feet close together, but he would use the upper part of his body and his face to exact what he wanted from his musicians, to exact from them that perfect experience of whatever suite it was they were playing. Can you talk about Sikowski's personality, his quirks, or his um, his main personality traits? He had an image of himself which he defined. He liked to see himself with his hair swept back. He liked to make a very large presentation. With respect to his art and with respect to the behavior of other artists, we all know stories of many, many artists who drank too much, many artists who uh, in the age of rock and roll came to be known for their abuse of chemicals. Stokowski was pretty moderate with respect to what he ate and what he drank. On the other hand, he really loved women. He divorced his wife, Olga Samaroff, in 1925, and after his divorce, it was pretty much rumored that he had his pick among the young women of the Curtis Academy in Philadelphia. At one point, the Curtis Academy had uh, their their graduate students and their their young players so picked over by Stokowski that uh, it was, instead of being called the Curtis Academy, it was alluded to as the Coitus Academy. Stokowski had a series of relationships. Uh, among the most famous was with Greta Garbo. At one time, later on, he was married to Gloria Vanderbilt. He liked the girls, and the girls liked him. I think the the best way to sum up Leopold Stokowski is in a comment made by Sergei Rachmaninoff when Rachmaninoff said, with respect to Stokowski's work with the Philadelphia Symphony, Stokowski has created a living thing. He knows what you want, he puts it in, and he infuses vitality into every phrase. With a piece of music, Stokowski was not one to sit back and just let it be played. Stokowski 
injected, as Rukmaninoff said, a vitality into it. It was it was not the same piece of music that came off the sheet, and oftentimes it was not to be played twice by the same orchestra in his experience conducting it. <laughs> 